the Library Fugitives, a support group for people who get lost in the stacks. I'm Molly. And I'm Lindsay. And every episode, we let the Encyclopedia pick our subject. This week, our topic is books that we chucked at a wall. In my case, I chucked it across the room, but it still counts. I will be talking about Kingdom of Ash by Sarah J. Moss. And I will be talking about Twilight by <laughs> Stephanie Meyer. Okay. So, I kind of agonized on whether or not to pick this book because Molly hasn't read Throne of Glass yet. Uh, she recently finished the Akatar series in, like, what, it was like two or three days? Uh, thereabouts. Yeah, about she inhaled them. Um, but with life, there really wasn't enough time to have her speed through Throne of Glass on top of working, on top of reading the other books that she was going to be talking about for the podcast episodes we're recording. Also, um... I have the attention span of a goldfish sometimes, and sometimes I just don't want to read a series just because I know I have to read the series. Yeah. Very much an executive dysfunction. I feel you. <laughs> so because of that, I wondered um, if there were other books that I could conceivably do for this episode, but I realized there were no books I could vividly remember throwing besides this one. And so I asked Molly, and she said it was okay for me to do this. Um, Mostly because I'll probably forget by the time I actually get around to reading this series. I mean, yeah. And to be fair, when I do my speed run summary of the series leading up to this last book, um, it's not going to cover everything. And I'm not going to talk about all of the plot points. So even if you do remember things I say, there will still be things that will surprise yeah. you. Um, so I want to start off with my fun fact this time around. Believe it or not, Throne of Glass was initially conceived by the author as a Cinderella retelling on Fiction Press. What? You know, fan fiction's sister nice. site. Yeah. Uh, she was watching the animated Cinderella and thought that the ominous chase music after Cindy flees the ball would fit better if Cinderella was a thief or even an assassin sent to kill the prince. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, I really am just a fan fiction reader at heart, <laughs> I think. I mean, Dante's Inferno is Bible fan fiction. So, you know, we'll get into that later. So is Paradise Lost. <laughs> fan, fan fiction is one of our topics on the wheel, so we will eventually get to that. Oh, for sure. So... I guess that brings us to the series that I love so much that I got a tattoo inspired by it. Nice. Throne of Glass. Now, generally, my lead-up summary before the proper review is spoiler-free, but as I will be covering a whole series of books leading up to Kingdom of Ash, you're kind of out of luck. You've been forewarned, so I guess you can be forearmed if you get spoiled. I told you. So there is this book that's technically chronologically the first book but i like to call it book zero because it's made up of a bunch of different little short stories mm -hmm. so i don't really count it as book one in my head um it's really rich in backstory really great if you want to go back in later and get some pieces filled in but we've got a limited time so i'm going to save that book for whenever y'all decide to read it on your own the first proper book throne of glass gives us our protagonist selena sardothian a prisoner who was raised from age eight to be the best assassin in aurelia which is the fictional world she gets promised her freedom if she'll compete to become the king of a darling's champion, which is really the executioner and spy. Um, the crown prince Dorian and the captain of the guard are actually the ones that recruit her from her prison cell. Mm -hmm. So she finds herself torn between her freedom and her growing feelings for the two men. But then tragedy strikes when a close friend is brutally murdered in the second book. Oh, God. Yep. 
This set Selena off on a dark path for revenge for the man that killed her friend. And then at the end of the second book, she escapes to another continent with the help of Captain Kaol. It's at the end of this book that Kaol and readers realize that Selena is actually Aelin Ashriver Galanthinius, the lost princess of a neighboring kingdom called Terrasen. Of course she's a lost princess. Yes, she is. <laughs> Over the course of book three, Selena or Aelin, it took me a while to figure out Get what to switch. call her. Yeah. And it does that in the narration too. So I'm not the only one. It took me a while to come to... Um, it takes Selena actually a while to come to terms with the Fey side of her heritage while training under one of the Fey Queen's most brutal warriors, Rowan. And I'm going to be real, I did not ship Rowan like at all during book three. I was desperately clinging to this idea that she would get back with Kaol upon her return to Adarlin. <sighs> but I digress. Aelin frees Rowan from serving the corrupt Fey Queen and returns to Adarlin in Book 4, only to find that the king has been amassing a demonic army possessing many of his soldiers. Demonic army? Yes, demonic army. There's, like, demons from another world that he's, like, allowing their spirits to enter his soldiers' bodies by giving them, like, rings and collars and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kaol is now a fugitive instead of captain of the guard, and Prince Dorian was possessed after watching someone he loved die in front of him. Aelin and her friends must work quickly to free magic from the king's oppressive control, gathering allies along the way. And hey, we get to see the abusive men that trained Aelin as an assassin get their asses handed to them. Nice. So that's a plus. After fighting the demon Valg soldiers, because that's the word they use, Valg, uh, Aelin helps to free Dorian from his possession, and the king is killed shortly afterwards. Mm -hmm. Book five is one of the shortest in the series, but it contains a jam-packed arc of Aelin returning to Terrasen, only to be rejected by the remaining nobility. So she instead pivots to gather more forces to fight against the demon king. Not Dorian's father, but the actual king of the Valg demons, called Erewhon. She and Rowan are finally together romantically, though they kind of have to put that to the side and focus their attention on winning battles and rescuing Dorian when witches, yes, actual witches, <laughs> okay. attack the castle in Adarlin. There's pirates and shapeshifters and even a sea dragon at one point. But Aelin's ragtag court soon realizes that they're facing two enemies instead of one. Erewhon with the Valg and Queen Maeve with her army of Fae. Oh, why did you bring in Queen Maeve? <laughs> Caught between a demon and a bitch, Aelin sacrifices herself and lets Queen Maeve take her, take her captive so that her allies might win the war while she's in chains. We find out that she and Rowan were actually mates all along and married in secret shortly before Aelin was captured. From there, book six actually kind of happens simultaneously uh, with book five, so they're going parallel with each other mm -hmm. in the timeline. Kaol has gone to the southern continent to receive healing from their magically gifted healers and finds that the Valg have sunk their claws into the royalty there. After falling in love with his healer and defeating the Valg, Kaol resolves to rejoin his friends and finish the war. <sighs> okay. Talk about a speed run. Yeah. So now that I've done that through um, six books, I guess, five or six books, uh, time to go in depth with the final book, Kingdom of Ash. Sarah decides to start us off with two mini-chapters, both from the brief perspectives of Rowan and Aelin, both dealing with the fallout of after Aelin was captured by Queen Maeve. 
Meanwhile, Aelin's cousin and her best friend must conspire to use the friend Lysandra's shifting abilities to fool their allies into thinking Aelin is still with them. Because hardly anyone knows that Aelin was captured, like, at all. And mm-hmm. if they know that she's been captured, the morale is just gonna sink. Yeah. Like, it's not gonna Through be the there. Floor. Uh, absolutely gone. So, most of the ones that do know that she's been captured are on a mission to rescue Aelin, who is really not having a good time time at all uh the the fey queen has a specific uh warrior torturing her and taking her and when he's not torturing her putting her back into an iron coffin so her magic is suffocated nice it's really really not good um sounds like fun oh so fun (laughs) at one point she believes that it would be better to hurry up the process and tries to goad her torturer into killing her and no that is not the moment that i threw my book but I, it was the first time I considered throwing the book. Didn't actually make me do it, but I got close if that counts <laughs> for something. Oh, no. After Aelin is reunited with the party intent on rescuing her, we find out that Dorian has been traveling with the witches to unite them to fight for Terrison. All the while, he's figuring out how to get the last of three items needed to close off the portal to the Val world forever. But there's a catch. Not only will these three items be needed, but we hear again and again, nameless is the price. Technically, the quote is nameless is my price, but for the purpose of mm-hmm. this, I change it a little. Nameless here refers to those individuals in Aurelia that hold great magic and bear the mark of the mythical Brannon's bloodline, which is the mark of the nameless. Only two such individuals live at this point, Dorian and Aelin. So during most of this book, reading through all the other subplots and trying to keep up with the story arc, I have to live with the knowledge that either Dorian or Aelin has to die to lock away the portal to the Valgrown. Not fun. No. The battles north in Terrasen only get worse with heavy losses on both sides. And here's where I really started ugly crying upon the loss of several characters who are just really, really dear to my heart. To parody what Smash Mouth once said, the hits start coming and they don't stop coming. (laughs) It's just from there it keeps on going and you don't get a break. (laughs) Aelin, Rowan, and company reunite with Kaol and Dorian, and then Aelin does something that still makes me want to put my head through a wall. She says they should vote on when to seal the portal. You know, vote on when either she or Dorian should die. Is she aware of this at this point, or is it Oh, just... she's quite aware. Okay. Both she and Dorian are. They know that either one of them is going to die. Um, at this point, I was almost as mad as Rowan. Uh, Rowan managed to keep it together, though, uh, to keep his head, and he suggested that Aelin and Dorian work together to seal the portal with the three keys. That way, there was a chance that both of them could live. Uh-huh. Early before dawn, Aelin, Dorian, Kaol, and Rowan sneak out to a clearing away from their camp to begin the process. They etch the runes in the grass, prepare the keys, and then Aelin and Dorian join their hands. Only once they are locked into the forging process do they realize that they underestimated the power it would take to close the portal, that both of them are now going to die. And then the spirit of Dorian's dead father appears and offers to take Dorian's place as he bears the bloodline of the Nameless as well. Aelin shoves Dorian back through the magical gateway and prepares to die alone. And that 
is when I threw the book. <laughs> that precise moment. I slammed all 900 plus pages shut, hurled it from my vaulted bed to the hardwood floor of my dorm room, and scared the shit out of my roommate. <laughs> I literally screamed. I slammed it. I was like, no! <laughs> and threw it. Um, she was wearing headphones. Apparently, volume was not turned up high enough to protect her from that. Um, <laughs> so I didn't really care, though. Like, I was like, oh, sorry, but, like, I didn't mean it because Aelin intended to sacrifice herself to save the world, and I was feeling all the emotions at once. You were the epitome of that meme, slam the book shut. I better not have read what I think Never. I just read. Yes! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and here's the thing. I loved Dorian. I really did. But if it came down to between him and Aelin, Aelin was one of the first characters as a teenager that I really just loved that she was allowed to be herself. She was allowed to be loud and cocky and just know that she was awesome. And I don't know, I just really resonated with her. And also she had very much Jack Sparrow vibes of like, she had a million <laughs> different crazy plans going on. Let no one know about them until they're halfway complete. And then you're just like, come on. So... I think at that point, I I think I had my life flash before my eyes. I had the whole series flash before my eyes. I was... I've had a couple of those moments. Uh-huh. And then Sarah shoves the rug she yanked out from underneath me back where it was before. Aelin is alive, but no longer human. She's now fully fae. That was the price that was paid in her that she lost her human life and now she was fully fed huh. which doesn't feel like much of a loss but when you have the question of wanting to feel human and not you know feel completely lost to your humanity i understand why it was a price itself and that leaves one thing left to do travel to terrasen to defeat mave and erewhon's joint forces and that is where i leave you so you can discover the epic end to kingdom of ash for yourself nice it was so good and i will say there is a really really sweet author's note um that sarah wrote in the end and when i read it the first time i can still see the tear marks in my copy of Aww. where she had her uh dedications and stuff so i'm just gonna read that to you um, and this was at a point where I read this my senior year of college. So I knew I would be graduating. I knew, well, it wasn't even quite my senior year. It was right before, but it was, I was at a really different point in my life. And uh -huh. so this just hit home and I really needed to hear it. So it was good. So she's going through all her things to all these different people. And then it says to you, dear reader, thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything. None of this would have been possible without you. I could write another thousand pages about how grateful I am and will always be. But in the end, all I can think to say is that I hope your dreams, whatever they may be, come true. I hope you pursue those dreams with your whole heart. I hope you work towards them no matter how long it takes, no matter how unlikely the odds. Believe in yourself, even if it feels that the world does not. Believe in yourself and it will carry you farther than you could imagine. You can make it. You will make it. I'm rooting for you. Now I'm going to cry. Right? Yep, I can still see yeah, my tear marks. I can marks. see it from here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I am really thankful for the role that Sarah and Throne of Glass has played 
in my life. And I know a lot of people prefer different ones of her series to the other. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But I know in my heart that this nothing will top the feeling of finishing Kingdom of Ash and feeling like everything was yeah kind of perfect and also a little sad, but in yeah. a good way. So I've, I've been there. I understand. Yeah. So I that's where we end on Kingdom of Ash. I wanted to end on a positive note because, um, you know, while the category is chucked it across the room or at a wall, I, you know, wanted to give a full picture of how the spectrum of emotions yeah. can be affected while reading a book, even if it makes you want to throw it across the room. Yeah. I just wanted to let everyone know this is another trigger warning. Um, I do use the word rapist in a context where it is not associated with actual rape and just used to describe someone's actions. So wanted to let you know that that all was there. And again, don't blame me if you skip it. I would also like to point out that during this episode, I refer to Tumblr not being a thing until 2012. That is incorrect. Tumblr actually became live in February of 2007. I personally was not on Tumblr until 2012. So now we're going to pivot from throwing a book at the floor because you enjoyed it too much to chucking it across the room because you loathe it with every fiber of your being. I wouldn't say I enjoyed the book when I threw it. Let's be clear, I was very upset, but I did enjoy Kingdom of Ash far more than you could ever dream of enjoying Twilight. You hate it so much. You oh hate my. Twilight. I can't. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Are you glad that I went first? Yes, because this is just going to turn into a rant. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you right now. I do not like this series. So if you enjoy Twilight, please turn it off now because this, it's just, it's just going to be, it's bad. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, imagine this, me, just 18 years old on a camping trip with one of my friends and her family. We stop in a city in Northern Virginia and visit this cool old bookstore called Read It Again, Sam, which is sadly now closed, which was also a possible name for this podcast, but we went with Library Fugitives, so it's cool. But neither she nor I have ever wanted to read Twilight, even though we're in the demographic. But we decided it might be fun to go through and edit the book, especially since this copy was only $3.50. Hmm. Uh, we get back to the cabin, and it's just, it's bad. The whole thing, atrocious. Uh, she and I both took turns chucking it at the wall violently violently all of our strength throwing this book across the room her dad came in and was like what is happening and we're like we're throwing the book at the wall and he said okay and backed away slowly that's usually what dads of book nerds do yeah. when when we're in the emotions um as it got dark out we realized several things one there was an above ground fire pit two we wanted s'mores and three her dad had matches and lighter fluid it was the only book burning I've ever taken part in, and that s'more was one of the best I'd ever had. Nice. Think about it, though. The marshmallow is the color of Edward's skin. I am the going... chocolate is the color of Bella's eyes before she becomes a vampire. And the graham cracker represents the snapping of her bones when she gives birth. 
I am going to <laughs> strangle you. I'm too far across the room, babe. I will knock this microphone over and... Oh, mm. Anyways, continue. If you don't know the plot of Twilight by now, you've been living under a rock for the last 17 years. But just in case, spoiler warning, here is a brief summary. Bitch, sorry, Bella, uh, Swan, is a high school girl forcing herself for the good of her apparently ditzy mom and her new boyfriend slash stepdad never is really made clear. Yeah. It's um, boyfriend in the first book, stepdad later in the series. Whatever. <laughs> To move to a town she hates, to live with a dad she can't stand, driving the free truck he gives her to and from her miserable high school in Forks, Washington. Also, Charlie deserved way better than Bella. Yes, I love fucking Charlie. Charlie's so good. Books, movie, especially in the movie. Oh, love Charlie. My gosh. Um, a note. Forks is a real place, and the native tribe that Stephanie Meyer stole is too. I am so sorry that these people have to deal with Meyer's fans in their space. So... So sorry. But not as sorry as I am that I had to read this book. Bella hates everyone at school for being nice to her, except the one guy she's drawn to who can't stand her and his adopted siblings, who never speak to her. To be honest, this is where I usually throw the book at the wall and go read Doss Mervyn's Sporkings. Uh, but for you, dear listeners, I am trying to soldier on. Uh, at this point, I actually opened the book, read the first chapter, then noped back out. Sporkings it is. Look, I really did try. I just, I, I couldn't read this book. Could not do it. I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, Doss Mervin did the work for me, reading the book, and then summarizing it for their readers with a fantastic and caustic commentary with running tallies of things like sin thine ass off and do I dazzle you. Uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> but anyway, back to pain. Uh, creepy dude Eddie Cullen saves Bella Boo from dying in a black ice car crash, somehow surviving and denting the van in the process. He then really shows the creepy side by pinning her to the ground. Y'all, if Twilight were an episode of Criminal Minds, Edward would be the killer. And actually, they did do an episode based on Fifty Shades, which was season 10, episode 17, called Breath Play, which was a much better episode than any of these books could have ever been. So was the episode uh, based... from SVU, too, that they had. I didn't realize SVU did an episode. They had one um, where it was a romance author who wrote smutty books that were basically supposed to be the Fifty Shades yeah. books. And she was young. She was actually played by the actress from My Girl. Um, we're getting off on a tangent. But again, that one episode, far better written and storyline than Twilight. Or Fifty Shades. Yeah. Or any of their different permutations. Um, but I feel justified with that opinion about Edward, you know, being a serial killer if this was real life. Everyone else in the series, even even the other characters are like, like ew, you're weird, dude. Even if he wasn't a vampire, he would be a killer. Because he's an incel. He's just, ew, he's just that kind of person. After the whole car incident, which is stupid, and she's a bitch to her dad, also stupid, I like Charlie, she basically decides she has a medical degree and the people in the hospital are also stupid. I hope you die, you stupid cunt. Jesus. But I know you don't, so now I get to waste more brain cells on this. We then randomly skip a month. In chapter four, 
because Eddie is ignoring poor Bellaboo. Poor Bellaboo. Gag. She has spoken to this dipshit twice and is now depressed because he won't speak to her. Then we get to the not a Sadie Hawkins dance and Bella's a bitch again. <sighs> Look, I can't do this. In- I-, I, couldn't do- I couldn't do it anymore. I could not do it anymore. If I had to go into more detail, I would vomit. So Wikipedia, it freaking is. Honestly, to save your sanity, good idea. Even just now hearing you retell it, I can tell you're precariously on the edge. I'm not going to lie. I definitely started drinking while I was doing this because I just couldn't stand it. We finally meet Jacob Black at a tourist version of a campout. Those flame color changing lungs are bullshit and only sold to tourists. Okay. And Bella Boo is finally told that Eddie and his quote unquote family are vampires that only eat animals. Convinced that Eddie actually is one, Bella Boo is again saved by our quote unquote hero when Eddie drives off a group of evil men. First of all, stalker much? Rapey much? All of it bad. She confronts him and he also confesses he wants to eat her after he fed her, which I guess is Meyer's poor attempt to show a parallel. Oh. Oh. Uh, we're not even going to touch the fucking baseball game, okay? Okay. It. Uh, James, a tracker vampire from another coven, decides he wants to know why Eddie thinks Bellaboo is so delicious and decides it'd be fun to hunt her for sport. Okay, good. Finally get some badass vampness in here. This is where I remind everyone that they should be a Buffy, not a Bella, evil creators aside. Always. Because, you know, Joss you're... Whedon can suck my dick. <laughs> You're also saying that not only because of his horrible, like, treatment and stuff, but also because he broke up your Clintasha ship in the We're MCU. not going to talk about Clintasha <laughs> because we will be here all day. Okay, go ahead. But if you want someone who reinvented the vampire over a decade before S. Meyer did, Sherilyn McQueen, formerly Kenyon's Dark Hunter series, does exist, which I'm not going to get into now because I will be doing it at some point in this podcast. Uh, But it's very, very good. Bellaboo and Eddie take Eddie's brother and sister, who are adopted, thank Christ, since they're in a relationship. Here's the thing. That's giving Major the Foster's vibes. It's like, we're not technically related. You are being perceived as a family. You live as a family. And yet you're dating. And yet you're dating. (sighs) Anyway. They go to Phoenix to hide from the other sparkling vamps, which, Meyer, a single faceted diamond is a sphere. (laughs) Stop being a thesaurus rapist and shovel the shit, okay? Oh, you can tell you grew up in, like, 2006 Tumblr era. (laughs) Tumblr wasn't even a thing until 2012. Oh, Jesus. What did you do? (laughs) What what was your internet-like vibes then? We had Facebook and AOL Messenger. Oh, that makes sense. That carries a lot of the same vibe from back then. Um, so evil vamp James calls saying he's holding Bella Boo's mom hostage, but when she sneaks out to rescue her, <gasps> gasp! It's a ruse! He bites her, but is then killed before he can kill poor Bella Boo. Eddie nearly kills her, sucking the venom out to save her life, and they get away with calling it an LOL clumsy moment of poor klutzy Bella Boo, and she fell through a fucking window. I mean, come on, you're in Phoenix, Arizona. Someone has to have a fucking barbecue fork lying around. But also, can we talk about how they how they 
like fixed the scene was I'm pretty sure they had either Alice or Rosalie. I'm pretty sure it was Alice throw herself through the window. Can you just picture Alice being like, okay, I'm getting ready for my role. I'm becoming Bella. Okay, I have to get really desperate. It's very hard. <laughs> I, I, I hate wasting brain cells on this book. Anyway, our merry band returns to Forks, where Eddie takes his precious little Bella Boo to prom, because he doesn't want her life to not be normal just because he's in it. Side note, blatant Buffy plagiarism. Buff knows she'll never be normal, but Angel tries to give her a normal memory at their prom. I mean, I need to go watch the first three seasons of Buffy to get the taste of this shit out of my mouth. Good idea. That's what's happening after this, just so you know. Oh, I'm very aware. <laughs> uh, the not a Sadie Hawkins dance ends with Bella Boo asking Eddie to change her and he refuses. Boo fucking who, bitch. I wouldn't want to be stuck with your whiny ass for eternity either. Yeah. Throughout all of this, Eddie boy has been a fucking stalker. Mm -hmm. manhandling her, telling her, don't make me come over there. We later find out sitting outside and inside her bedroom watching her sleep. No thanks, buddy! Incel. Incel total. At least when Angelus stalked Buffy, she knew he was trying to kill her. Like... It wasn't played off as some romantic thing. Yeah. Uh, I wrote an entire presentation in college about why Buffy is better than Twilight, y'all. Like... I'm going to dig out those slides and post them on our social media because a decade down the line, and other than the fact that we found out Whedon is a sack of shit, most of it still holds true. Yeah. Um, and I did manage to convert the videos that my friend Shauna and I have of us burning Twilight. Ooh. Um, and I'll post that too. <laughs> nice. Facebook's um, gonna get all the fun videos. Yes, but I have a picture that we can put on Instagram, and it's uh, of me, my mom, and my brother. Uh, we got to meet some of the minor stars from one of the Twilight movies because it was just a thing the Navy Exchange did. And um, my shirt says, and then Buffy staked Edward the end. My mom's shirt says, dear daughter, be a Buffy, not a Bella. Mm -hmm. And my brother, I believe he's wearing a shirt that on the front says, vampires don't sparkle. And on the back says, they burst into flames. Nice. Like, I need to post that picture. <laughs> and how, did, how did the staff, not the staff, the cast take that? Oh, they didn't even notice. Oh, they just saw that it was like Twilight shirts and were like, cool, whatever. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're getting into. Funny aside with that, um, we were like fifth in line because that was the number that honestly my brother drew. Because uh, we all entered and it was just who whose name got drawn and we went to go do it. And uh, as we walked out, the military news crew was there. Because I'm a Navy brat, y'all. Um, and... <laughs> We walked out and they're they're asking us, well, how did you like it? What was it like? And I say some nonsense about, oh, it's just nice to know that, you know, actors are people too. And it's just, you know, I said something fluffy and they actually did wind up using that clip in the newsreel later. But um, they turned to my brother and they said, a lot of, there's not a whole lot of guys here. What do you like about Twilight? And my brother just goes, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and they said, Which brother was this? This is Aaron. Nice. <laughs> so uh, they cut away and then immediately started talking to the fans behind us. But it was just, it was, it was just beautiful. 
But um, Buffy staking Edward the end is apt because I am now at the end of my fucking rope and my sanity. Can I go take a shower now? You can, and then you can go watch Buffy for therapy. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> and so now we have come to our Encyclopedia pick after all that nonsense. Oh, I need some healing cleansing. I hope this topic's <laughs> fun. So uh, just want to say beforehand, this is us picking our topic for the episode after the next one because our next episode is going to be our halloween special in which we will talk all about the wonderful world of poe yes i can't wait i know exactly what i'm talking about with poe i'm i'm excited about this oh same i'm gonna have some very fun quizzes and games and stuff set up it's gonna be a blast i didn't know there were going to be quizzes but okay it's, it's more like fun fact <laughs> trivia stuff <laughs> All right, so we are going to spin our encyclopedia. Fantasy. Okay, so we get to pick a fantasy <laughs> novel. I just did fantasy today. <laughs> My other option was Lord of the Rings, and I know we're doing a special episode on Lord yeah. of the Rings in April, so oh, I'm going to have to do some thinking. Half of my bookshelf is fantasy, though, so I'll land on you'll, something. You'll find something. I, on the other hand, have very little high fantasy on my shelves, so I'm going to have some thinking to do. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe in the stacks out there. Bye! Don't forget to look us up on social media. We have a Facebook, an Instagram, a TikTok, and a Tumblr, and all of those are at Library Fugitives. We also have a Gmail for when we start taking requests or reviews or just want to shoot the shit uh it is librarymfugitivespodcast at gmail.com